Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Nikki Starr thanking you for being brave enough to join Movie Attic Headquarters for our Michael Myers Halloween Scarefest today. Betty Jo's had a family emergency to take care of, so I'll be pitching in for her. And we're in for some spooky fun folks because horror expert A.J. Hockery has agreed to take on Michael Myers and the Halloween film franchise. Most of you already know that A.J. is also called the Mad Movie Man and has written film reviews and commentary for such outlets as TerraTube, Classic Movie Guide, Review Express, Real Talk Movie Reviews, plus his own popular blog, Cineslice. And we are so glad he could be with us today. The Mad Movie Man's already here, so let's bring him on. Thank you so much, AJ, for being our special guest today. Anytime, Nikki. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope you join me and, and the listeners join me in sending the very best to Betty Jo for her emergency. She's had a rough go of it this year with a lot of stuff going on with the family and so, yeah, whatever good, as, as she would say, send her good vibes, mm-hmm. whatever you can. That's right. And and I'm super excited that she trusted me hosting today with you, and I'm super glad that it's you and nobody else. <laughs> I just really appreciate <laughs> I, I, it. I know, I know. I'm just kind of surprised she let us in the same room considering our famous Transformers arguments yes. and our clashes. But I think we yeah. can put those aside for right now because we're going to talk about some awesome movies for once. We are. We actually are. So this is going to be um, a great, it's actually a really good show that, that for coming up because of Halloween. And um, go ahead and, and share a little bit about why you guys decided to do this Halloween special. Well, Betty Jo uh, had come to me and uh, said that she was putting together a lineup of horror shows or horror uh, movie-related shows for October. And she said I could pick a date and pick a topic. And for a couple of weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of struggling for a topic because I, I know I wanted it to be something special, something that's near and dear to my heart. And uh, in previous shows, I had talked about, you know, the universal monsters and, like, the Wolfman and the old kind of vintage classics that uh, I'm very passionate about. And then it kind of just came to mind after, you know, having gotten the uh, Halloween uh, box set that uh, Scream Factory recently released, which has, like, all ten of the movies in the franchise, it was a no-brainer. Talk about the Halloween series, because the uh, original Halloween is my all-time favorite horror movie. So to kind of go to oversee the entire series, the high points and low points, and kind of go in and out, it was was a no-brainer. So, yeah, here we are. Good. I'm glad you chose it. And... You know, it's funny because we don't always agree on movies, but it is my all-time favorite horror movie as well, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, it really is. I'll never forget the first time I saw it, and just it was like transcended horror movies for me. So, All right, well, let's get into this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, it was the movie that uh, kind of got me interested in uh, kind of uh, diving into the horror mo- horror genre in general, because I saw it for the first time when I was 13, and that mm-hmm. one was when I was still fairly getting into, like, diving into movies as hugely as I am now, uh, when I was still kind of getting out of my comfort zone, because for the longest time, I stayed away from horror movies, because I... I'd seen, you know, glimpses of some as a kid, you know, clips of The Exorcist here or Poltergeist oh, yeah. there, and that kind of, like, well, for one thing, they scared me, so good job for the movies. <laughs> but for a long time, they just kind of uh, put me off of ever seeing one, but I'm like, uh, at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I'm uh, exploring all these different genres, getting out of my comfort zone, I gotta see some of these horror ones once in a while, and Halloween was coming up on one of the movie channels, so I taped it, you know, recorded it, and to watch it later, and I just kind of fell in love with it, because the atmosphere was just so perfect, and it was an unsettling movie, but it wasn't like a a gross or disturbing movie, it was just really, really spooky, and it's something that's stuck with me ever since, and that I've had uh, great affection for. Awesome. Uh, so, why do you think so many people view Michael Myers as the most evil movie character ever? Well, I think it kind of all boils down to a line that is, uh, or a motif that's repeated very often in the original Halloween, which is that Michael Myers is the boogeyman. He is the guy who's around every corner. He's behind the bushes. He's in the shadows. You never know where he's going to come out of and just come get you. Uh, I think, uh, and part of the reason why he uh, leaves such a kind of effective impact in that original Halloween is that whenever he's around, he isn't necessarily, you know, killing teenagers left and right, you know, kind of like what Jason is. He doesn't do a whole lot of stalking. Like when he's there, you know, someone will, is going to bite the bullet in just a couple of minutes. But Mm -hmm. the magic of uh, why Halloween works is that, you know, you see him, like, in the distance, you see him surveying, you see him staring, and he's not doing anything. Like, he's just creeping around, and you never know, like, when he is going to pounce and when he is going to strike. And I think that's why he's such a fearsome figure, as opposed to, you know, a villain who... Uh, like like the typical, you know, like mustache-twirling villain who sits and talks about how evil they are and how they like being evil and all the things that they're going to do. Uh, Michael Myers is a completely silent character. You don't know what's going on in this guy's mind. You just know that it's not good. Right, right. I think that's such an important part of it, too, and especially because of the ages that we saw the movie. Um, it's mm. in, in your brain, that scary under-the-bed in the closet, kind of silent, scary. It will give me goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even, uh, and even like the the sequels, as as decent as some of them are, uh, the sequels kind of got into uh, the backstory behind why Michael is you know going on this killing spree and everything, and mm-hmm. a lot of that just wasn't necessary. Like even starting with uh, Halloween Two, set on the exact same night, you know, written by. Deborah Hill and uh, John Carpenter are the people responsible for the first movie. But uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Halloween 2, you are being told that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister, and he's being compelled for some reason 
to kill his family and, like, you know, whoever's in the way. And later on in the series, they introduce some really wild, weird, out-there stuff involving, like, uh, cults and, like, Mm -hmm. he's being compelled to do this by, like, some spirits. And, like, it's entertainingly goofy. Like, it's kind of fun just because it's so silly. But Mm -hmm. it does not match the impact that that first movie had where you're just sitting there watching a guy staring at these people and not knowing what's going to happen. Right. You already touched a little bit on this, but how did you just get so interested in Michael Myers? Do you know what I mean? I think it was because that first movie uh, was such a fascinating hook. Uh, I think the the first three uh, movies that I had seen in the series were probably the better ones because, you know, I started off with the first one, and then I went into uh, Halloween 4 right after that, which uh, picks From 1 to 4? Yeah, because I've never oh, seen the one in between. <laughs> it just happened to be on TV, and we're like, oh, I just saw Halloween. I'll, I'll catch <laughs> this one now. <laughs> I, I was 13, so I didn't do anything mm-hmm. like I was supposed right. to. Right. But anyway, uh, Halloween 4, uh, it's definitely a flawed movie. And, and again, it's another one of the, it kind of goes into Michael's backstory where this time he's kind of going after his niece. And, uh, but it was fairly well made and it had some interesting stuff going on. And then after that, I skipped even further ahead and uh, had watched uh, Halloween H2O because uh, that had just come out on VHS. Mm -hmm. So that was like the brand newest one. And uh, I revisited it again recently, and it's definitely, it hasn't held up as well. It's kind of very, you know, bland. The whole Dawson's Creek element is there with, like, the hot new teenagers, like, being stalked oh, by great. Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then, I thought, like, oh, this is this is pretty decent. This is a mm-hmm. uh, tasteful enough uh, late 90s uh, slasher flick. So it was pretty good. So after that, I would just kind of... Uh, got fascinated enough to revisit or uh, to finally dive into the series as a whole instead of, you know, cherry-picking these ones. And it led me to some interesting places, especially uh, Halloween 3, a completely bonkers, insane movie that doesn't have anything to do with Michael Myers at all. Right. But see, now, after since you watched it out of order and then you you revisit it in order, you revisit it in order, did you get more out of it as you watched it in order, or it really didn't matter? Because they are mostly standalone movies. I mean, they really yeah, can be. Yeah, you can watch them in any in any order, basically. Aside from, uh, for for Halloween H two O, it does help definitely to see that after the first movie because it does deal with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, Laurie Strode uh, trying to move on and still suffering from the effects of having been stalked by uh, Michael Myers in the first two. Uh, movie, so you really kind of need to see the first one to understand, like you know, the ringer that she got put through and why she's in such a terrible shape at the beginning of H two O. And it makes it more satisfying than later on in that movie where she decides to stop running, take a stand, go after mm-hmm. Michael, which definitely is one of the stand up. Uh, stand up and cheer moments of the series when she starts going after him. It's like, yeah, fight back. Go get him, Finally, Jamie. right? Yeah. <laughs> she, she's just an ultimate heroine, I think, anyways. But anyway, <laughs> I think she was great. So what do you think, in your opinion, what explains the popularity of this horror franchise? 
I think the uh, popularity, again, it all uh, starts off with that first movie, is because it is so relatable. You see these, uh, you see like the slasher uh, movies nowadays, especially the remakes, you know, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff, where you watch them and they are movie world. Like, they exist on sound stages, they're incredibly stylized, and uh, the characters, you just can't believe them existing anywhere other than a movie. Mm-hmm. But that original Halloween, it's set in every town USA. It is set on Main Street in the Midwest. You know, the the fall leaves are down on the ground. The sun is just ending a little bit early in the day. And it just looks like any random neighborhood in any town in the United States and I think that's what uh, gets people on edge is that it could be the town that they're in seeing that movie in. Cause, and that relatability, you know, just strikes a chord with people where they think, wow, like I could be walking home down Main Street and there could be Michael around that bush because, you know, there's that bush in that town or that house that's supposedly haunted because some bad stuff happened there. And that the first Halloween movie brings all those fears to mind just so perfectly and so effectively. I have to agree. And for me, I babysat, okay? <laughs> and, I mean, it was there just, you go. See that. It was yeah. Really, yeah, it was really, it was believable to me. Don't get me wrong, The Exorcist scared me, okay? But yeah. Michael Myers, it was believable to me, and it made it seem like it could happen to anybody. Um, let me apologize really quick for my dogs. They're being naughty, and we work from home, and I'm doing my best to keep them quiet. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, I really the, think the that... The Exorcist is, the exorcist uh, is frightening in a different way than uh, Halloween correct. is because The Exorcist is a movie that uh, scares you with ideas, specifically the idea that evil can, like, corrupt good or it's as powerful mm-hmm. of a force as good. But, uh, Mike, like, like you said, Michael Myers, he's unstoppable because you don't know what his background is. You just know that right. he's coming after you and in the safety of your or your house does not have any safety when he's around. Like he, he will find a way. It was so scary to me. I mean, think about how long ago it was when we saw it and still I, I watch it every Halloween. It's a tradition and it is still mm. stands the test of time and scary. It is, you know, it is. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's still frightening to me because I don't know if I ever felt it was a frightening movie. Like, don't get me wrong, it's still my favorite, but it's more out of a place of affection and admiration for Aww. the craft with which it was made because I wouldn't say, like, this is the scariest movie of all no, time, no. but what it, what it sets out to do, it does right. It's like watching your favorite comedy for the 30th time. You still love mm-hmm. it. You still cherish the memories that go along with watching it, but you don't necessarily laugh at all the same jokes, but you still have a lot of love for it, and that's kind of my situation with Halloween. Right. You know, you can't help but when you hear the theme song, like for me, I can't help but get chills, and I mean, you know, it was, it just, it set that genre for that. Music was his, you know what I mean? It just was, I don't know. And, and, you know, interestingly, Interestingly, um, that the mu- the music really has a lot to do with that movie. I mean, how important do you think that theme music is to the Halloween movie? Oh, oh absolutely, because it uh, it correlates perfectly 
with the style of the movie and how it's very simple, but it's mm-hmm. ominous and it just very slowly builds up and up and it's just like very sinister. So it's not like these orchestral screeches that you hear in a lot of horror movies where it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The new one. right. Yeah. Right. Like insidious and very, that yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just reflects like Michael Myers, like it's, slow, it's steady, it's methodical, and, like, it just kind of lulls you, like, dude, like, okay, it's gonna be, like, this predictable pattern, and then it'll change on you, mm-hmm. like, just like, just like Michael Myers will spring up out right. of the blue, it just surprises you, and it just sets the mood so perfectly. I remember one time watching, watching a um, show or a documentary about Foley artists, and, you know, the music and how important it is. And they would show, you know, the bee flying with sinister music or the bee flying with daisy music and fairy music. It just matters so much. I actually don't know who did the score for this movie. I'd have to look that up. But Actually, that was John Carpenter himself. He directed it. He co-wrote it. He did the uh, scores, as he did for a good chunk of his movies, if not, you know, mm-hmm. most of them. Uh, he did the music and that, that very simple synthesizer score is it's part of a uh-huh. movie history. Oh, that, thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. Yep, that thank was you. all him. Wow. So talented. And he he nailed it. I mean, he did. He nailed it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, just like on a different tan, you know, John Carpenter, incredible scores, Escape from New York, Assault mm-hmm. on Precinct 13, Prince of Darkness, all all that is him. And uh, he's such, he's... And as amazing of a composer as he is of a filmmaker, period. Well, you know, it's interesting because movies, well, I, although I love movies, I'm not like you and Betty Joe. It's not my passion and it's not um, something that I, that, I mean, like I'm a fan, that's it. You know this. This is why we disagree on some movies, but I'm just, you know, I'm just a fan. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, had no idea that he did the scores for them. I love learning new things. Thank you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> appreciate it a lot. Every time we do a show together, I learn something new. <laughs> um, so there, are there any performances or other elements in these films that stand out for you, aside from the music and, you know, the simplicity of it and that it can be anywhere, you know what I mean? Well, definitely uh, the next thing that you associate the Halloween franchise with, other than Michael Myers, is Laurie Strode. And uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, as you said before, she captured that role so perfectly because she is just the average girl. And uh, a lot of stuff has been written over the years about, you know, trying to find uh, symbolism in the Halloween series or stuff about, you know, how Michael Myers is punishing the uh, other, her friends for, you know, you know, being more promiscuous and having drugs and drinking. But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, she's not uh, painted as, like, this impossibly pure character. You know, she takes a toke here and there, and she talks about, you know, wanting to go out with boys, and, like, she's just an average girl. And she's, she, yeah, and that's kind of what uh, uh, draws a whole lot of people to her because she isn't, uh, she's like that kind of uh, character that has become, you know, like known the, as the final girl where a lot of slasher movies will kind of pick out this one random uh, person and she's the heroine just by default because she's the only one left standing when everyone else has been chopped up or mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis created 
a person that you genuinely like and care for, and when bad things start happening to her, you're not cheering for Michael Myers to go get her. You're cheering for her to go get Michael Myers. What is some of the symbolism that you're talking about? You know, like I'm such a straight-edge watcher, movie watcher, okay? Is is Mm. there symbolism that I've missed? I mean, teach me a wise one. Oh, just and, and it all depends on you know what you uh, get out of the movie. Depends on you know like what symbolism you uh, pick up on. It's, it's like sure. I've always you know kind of referred to Halloween as the 2001 A Space Odyssey of horror movies because you can watch it straightforward as uh, just a straight horror movie about uh, a creep you know going after a bunch of babysitters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you can also read it you know as I mentioned before is if it's some form of like. Uh, divine punishment or whatever for these girls for, you know, hopping in the sack with their boyfriends or whatever and uh, just paying from, uh, you know, going off of the straight and narrow and being punished that way. And a lot of uh, talk has been done about, you know, the cinematography in the movie where, you know, you'll see POV shots, uh, point of view shots of Michael Myers uh, looking at people and, uh, there are people saying that that, that, that uh, camera work, even when it's not a obvious POV shot, that that camera is supposed to be Michael Myers because it's positioned in all these different places and absolutely mm-hmm. still. So, like, the, you're seeing, like, the, the whole movie through his eyes is what the argument is. How interesting is that? You know, and, <laughs> and plus the fact that he, I know, right? I'm sorry, he's just, like, opening my mind. Plus the fact that he doesn't always, oh, and these are spoilers, by the way, he doesn't die, Right. So I can yeah. see that would be divine. Yeah, like the one uh, supernatural element in the entire movie. Like, you know, there's the scene where uh, uh, he's at the end of the movie where he's, you know, finally coming after Laurie Strode and he and she takes off his mask. And mm-hmm. you're almost expecting, like, okay, there's going to be, like, some monstrous figure. No, he's just some guy. He's not know, even, right? like, a... With like a scar on his face, he's just some guy. Nothing. And throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie, that's all that he is, but... That one shot at the end, you know, after uh, Donald Pleasant's uh, Dr. Loomis shoots him mm-hmm. and he falls off the balcony and he looks down and his body is gone. Like, that guy right. took, like, six or seven shots to the chest and he's just gone. And that's the one part you're like, wait a minute. And like, then, right, This right. is not just a guy. Right. So is that part of the, you know, the symbolism and conspiracy or behind it or could he really be real? You know what I mean? Is yeah, that part of the and that's the okay. Yeah, and that's the thing about uh, that kind of makes this movie so uh, rewatchable is that you mm-hmm. pick up on different things all the time, uh, like little things that happen in the background. Like there's a scene uh, where uh, Doctor Loomis and the sheriff are looking at the hardware store because, uh, unbeknownst to them, Michael Myers broke in and stole a mask and knives and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, Donald Pleasance is just kind of standing there, and in the background, you see Michael Myers drive by right behind him, and he does not know it. And you just pick up on all these different things. You're like, okay, i got to spot where Michael is. It's almost like a weird right. contest. Okay, so I've never heard this, and just so you know, now I'm going to be obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> I can just see you, like, hunched over the TV. you got, oh, yeah. like, a... Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have to see every single place he is. Now I bet you there's websites that even comment on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That's crazy. I just didn't even know that after all the times I've watched it. Man. Well, including those elements, are there any other performances or elements in these films that stand out for you? I know, uh, like I said earlier, for the uh, Halloween 4, which was kind of one of the better of the sequels, because not a whole lot of them were all that great. Uh, Mm -hmm. Daniel Harris as uh, Jamie Lloyd, she was a child actress when she took on the part of uh, Michael Myers' niece, and she did a pretty good job for a kid her age who was basically forced to do... Oh, she she kind of went through the ringer too of you know Michael chasing after mm-hmm. her and stabbing at her and you know when kid actors are involved with horror movies it's always kind of a dicey proposition. It's like I I remember seeing the movie uh, Phenomena from I think it was like eighty four eighty five which had a very young mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly in it and at one point she was like in this giant pool of like maggots and mud and stuff and I'm like how did she ah. not have to go to years of right? therapy? After that, and it's kind of sort of the same situation here, but she pulled through. She did a pretty good job in Halloween 4, and in Halloween 5, which is one of the worst entries in the entire franchise, she was kind of one of the anchors from keeping it from being a completely just dispensable, horrible, horrible slasher sequel. How old was she in that when she did that? Uh, Man, she was very, I want to say around like Seven, eight, nine. Oh, like she was I was going to say young. like eight or nine. Yep, that is, that is. Mm. And, and then of course that. Donald Pleasant. <laughs> and then of course Donald Pleasant as Doctor Loomis. You can't forget it. He he is the Ahab mm-hmm. to uh, Michael Myers and Moby Dick. Like he's the guy oh. who's completely obsessed with catching him down and it's you know he's like that type is normally the heroic psychiatrist like no he can be cured i have to stop him but at the beginning of halloween he's like i spent 15 years like trying to keep him under lock and key he must never get out i know what this being is capable of mm-hmm. and when he, he speaks with such authority that when he talks like you gotta listen to him right it's true well, you know, it's it is the the you know like the king of all horror movies to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in what way do you think you know the whole franchise has influenced other horror movies? Uh, well, other movies, other uh, kind of slasher movies have existed beforehand. Uh, Halloween is kind of pointed out as kind of like the grandfather of the uh, kind of the '80s slasher phase because uh, so many of those movies kind of picked up on. Uh, or took off on elements that were introduced in Halloween, like a killer with a mask and mm-hmm. like that kind of urban legend style backstory stuff that took or, or horror movies that take place on Halloween. Because after that, you had you know, Friday the Thirteenth, Christmas Evil, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. You even had Graduation Day, Happy mm-hmm. Birthday to Me. So it, it inspired a lot of movies that came after it in many ways, but for the most part, they were kind of in in more of the way of they were trying to like just rip off on what they did, on what Halloween did, but increasing the body count. And it, because Halloween, for uh, a lot of people don't realize, is not a very graphic movie. Like there is some, there is a violence, of course, but not right. a whole, it's not very explicit. Only so many people uh, die, so it's a very low body count. And mm-hmm. kind of all that changed when Halloween 2 came around in 1981. And a lot, even then, a lot of imitators had come by, and it had to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and 
get more graphic with the death and have more extraneous characters die. And it kind of lost that uh, sense of intimacy that the first one had. Oh, hello, Nikki. Hello. Hello, Nikki. Can you hear me? Well, hello there. I don't know what happened, but we both got disconnected. Are you there, AJ? Yep, right here. Yep. Uh, thank you very much. I'm not really sure what happened, but both of us dropped at the same time. Gremlins, oh, uh, well, gremlins. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's Halloween, so, you know, some supernatural right. things are afoot. Some mischief is going on. <laughs> of course it would be right at the time we're talking about, you know, um, how Halloween influenced other horror flicks. And for me, it was psychological. <laughs> it was. It had a lot of elements instead of slasher, you know, bloody gore, which I, which I'm not opposed to. Okay. However, when you have that psychological balance, there seems to me the best type of movie. Well, before we got disconnected, what was the last thing you had heard me say? Because I don't know how much I got out before we. Kind of, uh, as soon as I out. asked you the question, in what ways have this, these movies influenced other horror movies? Um, oh, okay. I didn't hear anything. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I was saying that uh, it influenced a whole lot of movies in the sense that uh, people just, uh, other people just tried to capitalize on what mm-hmm. it did. A lot of them were just kind of, you know, ripping off a lot of the tropes that the Halloween inadvertently introduced, like having a masked killer with a urban living right. backstory, uh, having him set on a holiday because we had a whole slew of, like, Friday the 13th, Graduation Day, Christmas Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night. So they were just all just trying to jump on the bandwagon, like, okay, Halloween did this, and if we mm-hmm. do that too, but in our non-copyright infringing way, <laughs> a bit, the magical kind of rub off on us, and in a lot uh-huh. of cases it didn't work. And uh, Halloween 2 kind of uh, fell victim to that too. It had to keep up with the Joneses because... It came out in 1981, and even at that time, so many imitators had come out, it had to stand out and, and bring in more extraneous characters to kill off in more gruesome ways, and it definitely lost that sense of intimacy that the first movie had. I see. I have to agree, too. I have to agree. So, which of the Halloween films is your favorite, and why? Well, and how many were made, by the way? How many were made? Altogether, I'm not uh, not not including the um, reboot. Let's just talk about the first ones, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I think that's the better option here. Yeah. Uh, the first, uh, the original series had eight movies total, okay. and uh, seven of which had Michael Myers in them. Because the third one, uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, it was an attempt to uh, distance, try and distance the series away from Michael Myers because. John Carpenter didn't want the character to get stale or be run to the ground. Mm-hmm. And so what the plan was to be was that Halloween would be an anthology series with a different sequel coming out every year with a different story set on Halloween. And so Halloween 3 uh, came to be about a uh, Irish mask maker who wanted to kill the children of the world with Halloween masks that had, like, pieces of Stonehenge inside them 
that when exposed to this message would basically cause like snakes and bugs to crawl out of their heads. <laughs> which, which is a completely insane premise, but you watch it and it has like this really strange magic to it and it's very grim. Like, you know, kids do kind of just they suffer in that movie and it's really mm-hmm. dark and gruesome, but uh, the movie wasn't as big of a hit as they wanted it to be, so we basically picked up with Michael Myers years later. But anyway, yeah, eight original of the original Halloween series. Uh, Definitely my favorite would have to be number one for reasons that I've already already discussed on the show because of the perfect atmosphere and how well everything is put into place. Uh, The rest of the sequels uh, definitely aren't up to par. Uh, H2O is decent. Halloween uh, 4 is decent. Halloween 2 is one that I kind of go back and forth between really liking and thinking it's really okay. It just kind of changes with every time I watch it. But there's some uh, cool stuff going on in there. It has some interesting uh, things. Donald Pleasance, for as cool and collected as he was in the first one, is just in an absolute panic. And this one, he's just really Mm -hmm. entertaining to watch. He's like, you don't know what death is. I shot him six times. He's just (laughs) freaking out. It's like, I didn't realize that. Oh, God, we got to get him. (sighs) So which one is the worst? Which Halloween movies are the worst and why? Uh, I would probably say definitely out of the original series that uh, Halloween mm-hmm. 5 would uh, be the my uh, least favorite just because it feels the most like a derivative 80s slasher movie out of the entire bunch. It just introduced characters for the sake of killing them off, which, uh, which a lot of people... Uh, well, people like that style where they just kind of go and see, like, the inventive ways people get killed. But it was just a time waster. And uh, it did uh, kill off, I think, like, one or two characters who were actually really endearing about number four. But it didn't feel natural that they, you know, kind of mm-hmm. get the dust. It's like, okay, we got to really shock people this time. This person <laughs> you spent the last movie getting to know, they get to die. Ha, ha, ha. And it's just... And the one-upping really and, yeah... Mm. Yeah, it's just really cynical and really not interesting. Uh, the Halloween Resurrection, which was the last of the original series to be released, uh, that one gets uh, on a lot of people's nerves just because it's <laughs> it's just so silly. It's like they're hosting an internet reality show from the Michael Myers house, and it's got Buster Rhymes in it, and... Tyra Banks, and it just it I, didn't really... I haven't seen that one, by the way. Oh, it didn't yeah. need to be made at all. It is so dumb and goofy, but mm. I don't hate it the way that Halloween 5 is. Like, Halloween Resurrection is a terrible movie, but it's just so goofy when you've got, like, <laughs> Buster Rhymes dressed up as Michael Myers, and then, like, the actual Michael Myers crawling up behind him. It's like, this is some Scooby-Doo nonsense here. Right? What is going on? Oh, what and, a great uh, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So I haven't seen it. Yeah, Do you but, recommend I see it just because I love Halloween? Or don't wait Halloween my Resurrection, like, if you, like, it's it's a party movie where you just gather okay. some friends and uh, get the drinks and beverages and snacks of your choice and be like, okay, I got something that'll knock yeah. your socks off. This is so silly. You got to watch it. So I would recommend it in that respect, but it's not a good movie at all. Okay. I, I can still enjoy that kind of movie for the sake of, you know, the franchise and loving it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking of that, how do you think the Rob Zombie reboot worked out? 
Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the Rob Zombie version. I remember I caught it with my brother on uh, opening day in the theater, and I thought at the time, like this was in 2007, so kind of uh, bear in mind that my thoughts probably will have changed since then. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was more or less pretty decent. Uh, I'll I'll defend that one because of uh, the stuff that Michael uh, uh, Rob Zombie brought to the table that was different from the John Carpenter version because obviously it's it's basically a full-on origin story for Michael Myers because you mm-hmm. see him as a kid and growing up in this family, uh, this very dysfunctional family, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie did a surprisingly very touching job as his uh, mother. But, uh, I think so, yeah, but it's the parts that are when it catches up to the events of the first movie, you mm-hmm. just kind of be like, oh wait, yeah, Halloween's already a great movie. You didn't need to touch it anymore. Yeah, so it's definitely a back and forth thing. But I liked more of it than I mm-hmm. uh, than I didn't like it. That's good. He's an interesting um, movie maker, by the way. <laughs> he really is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Rob Zombie, I kind of have a love hate relationship because I do. Uh, I did really like uh, the Devil's Rejects. That was a very intense yeah. experience. And as much as I didn't like the Lords of Salem, it showed that he could do like a more subtle and insidious, quiet, you know, creepy kind of thing, right. as opposed to having Redneck screaming at you for. Of for two hours, which it unfortunately is most of his other is yeah. his wheelhouse, and that kind of infected you know Halloween and especially Halloween two, his Halloween two, which mm-hmm. I absolutely despise. Like it's the movie that I saw on opening day, and I just mm-hmm. kind of sat there like, well, the Michael Myers I grew up with is dead and gone. He's six feet under. I'm never going to see him again. Thank you, Rob Zombie. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of did that for me too. Now, my husband loves him, loves the reboot, loves everything Rob Zombie. So I think it has yeah. to be your taste or not. Do you see what I mean? And for yeah, Die Hard True, number one, like Halloween one, you know, lovers like we are, it just, yeah, it was unnecessary. And I don't know. I didn't care for it. So <laughs> Yeah, n- n- so, neither did I. But like, yeah. like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen the, the mm-hmm. original uh, Rob Zombie reboot. So if I saw it today, who knows? I might like it about the same. I might like it less. So 2007, AJ enjoyed uh-huh. this. Let's just say it with that. Well, do you know if there's any video games or comic books or books that have included Michael Myers as a character? Oh, absolutely. Michael Myers, he, uh, he's expanded on it outside of the movies. There are a number of comics out there that kind of do like uh, offshoots and you know, kind of alternate retellings of it. And uh, as for video games, though, there aren't any besides the uh, Atari 2600 version oh, hi. Uh, that, that I'm aware of or your, your Laurie mm-hmm. Strode, or, or according to the uh, manual, your The Babysitter character and Michael Myers is The Escaped Maniac. So they got mm-hmm. the license to do like the Halloween theme in the game, poster art and everything, but not the character name. That is very and, interesting. Yeah, you're right. just like you're just like going from room to room, you know, like rescuing kids and bringing them to mm-hmm. like one side of the house. And once in a while, like Michael Myers will pop out and come chase you, but he's incredibly easy to <laughs> avoid. You just have to like stand there and let him kill you in order to uh, fail at this game. As, but as for other games, uh, there aren't any that I know of. So mm-hmm. there could be. It could make a really know. good game, don't you think? I mean, they could really. Yeah. 
make it exciting and, you know, you're peeking around the corner with your body type, type of game. They could. I wonder why they yeah, haven't they, done it. Maybe they, it's just too recently expensive. They released, yeah, just recently they released the uh, Alien Isolation game where you're mm-hmm. the daughter of Sigourney Weaver's character and you're on a spaceship and it's that kind of survival horror thing where you don't know when the alien's going to pop out right. coming at you. So you could you could conceivably do a Halloween video game and uh, hopefully make it good. Hmm. Maybe we'll put a bug in somebody's ear. I don't know. I like I like those kind of video games, so <laughs> I think it would be fun. We're actually just about out of time. Can you believe it? I was afraid that we would, you know, not have or that we would, you know, end up with like thirty minutes left, but we aren't. We did good. Is those so before if, I finish? Even if we oh, even if we didn't talk about Michael even if we didn't talk about Michael Myers, I could probably fill like two hours talking about all the crazy things that happened just in Halloween three. <laughs> Right? Then we didn't get to that. We'll have to do another one. We'll for sure have to schedule you to come back for another one. Um, so in the last minute, is there anything else you want to add about Michael Myers and Halloween? Uh, other than uh, pick pick it up, because it's one of those uh, horror movies that's kind of like The Exorcist or like the original uh, Universal Monster ones, Frankenstein, Dracula, where they just kind of have been around for so long they're just kind of fixture, fixtures in, like, the horror genre. You just kind of assume, oh, yeah, that was that movie a long time ago, and you're still kind of concentrated on watching uh, newer stuff. But once in a while, you just got to revisit the classics just to remind mm-hmm. yourself of the quality and the craftsmanship with which, uh, you know, movies like this were made, and Halloween mm-hmm. still stands the test of time. Like I said before, it doesn't scare me or affect me to the level that it used to, but I can still watch it right now and, like, well, say, wow, that is a very well put mm-hmm. together movie. The atmosphere is just perfect and dead on, and its relatability just hasn't yeah. lessened. I think that's great. Well, tell all of our listeners where they can find you online. All right, you can find me uh, on my Twitter page, which is at the Mad Movie Man. I'm always posting, you know, just movie related thoughts and the links to my various reviews. Uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of the websites that I write for at the top of it. Uh, right now uh, on my blog, which is CineSlice, which you can find at uh, com. This week I'm going to be uh, wrapping up my Universal uh, Horror Sequel Month reviews by reviewing uh, House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, the big monster crossover movies, which had uh-huh. Dracula, the Frankenstein monster, the Wolfman, everyone just kind of packed into them, and uh, starting next week, I'll be taking part in the Noir Vember blogathon, where I'll be reviewing a different uh, film noir movie every week. Wow, that's awesome. I can't thank you enough for, you know, being with me today and talking about Halloween, and, and just, I really appreciate all the information that you shared with us, and you guys make sure to check out where you can read his reviews. I do have to let you know, AJ, that um, this is probably, this is probably the one movie franchise that we probably agree on every single movie <laughs> from the whole franchise. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it's it. It's lightning in a bottle. we got to cherish it while we can. We'll, we'll be back That's to the right. That's right. Time. Oh, don't you worry. Yeah, don't you worry. Yeah, we'll disagree on the air again soon. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody, too, that next week we're going to have a Sherlock Holmes expert. He's scheduled to talk about the Sherlock movies and the actors who portrayed this world-famous detective. By the way, I don't know if you watched the new Sherlock, but it is fantastic. Um, I can't ever get his name right. Cumberbatch? 
Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. Brilliant. I really have enjoyed it. So make sure that you um, tune in next week. And uh, I think that's it. I hope everybody has a great afternoon and an absolutely fantastic Halloween. And we are just sending Betty Jo all of our wonderful good light, blessings, and wishes. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>